think we're back. Hello, hello again, and welcome to another episode of Miskatonic Alumni Association. I am one of the only two people who are willing to appear so far, Bill, and as always with me is the bravest of brave, Terry. How are you doing, the Terry? I'm the, the last of the Mohican style brave here. Uh, greetings, salutations, hi, Bill. It's, uh, it's been a while. Not really. It's just been a week, but uh, as always, good to see you. Uh, what do we have in store today? We have, uh, surprisingly, I think it'll blow away our viewers here, another episode discussion of Lovecraft Country. What are the odds of that? Oh, mind-blowing, I say. Mind-blowing. So, um, last week, we, we, we had like quite a really enjoyable experience, right? But I think both of us really enjoyed last week's episode. It got us a tiny Love bit... Love last week. Love last week. It got, us, it got us interested again, right? I think I really hit this malaise of like really thinking the show yeah. was just <laughs> like pretty much uh, death packaged in our HBO series. So, I wasn't really excited. But then last week got me going. Um, I, I think maybe I'll give my thoughts on this episode right at the end um but uh right off the bat one thing i i kept bringing up to you a few the last few weeks was like where was hippolyta when she went (laughs) drove back and like what happened to this golden orrery she'd had and heaven help me it was right at the start of the show thank goodness that was something that really got me peaked again right I knew when I saw that scene, when I saw the opening scene, I, I thought, oh, Terry's going to love this. We're finally going to find out what the heck Hippolyte has been doing for three weeks. Uh, I mean, it, it was odd that nobody really brought it up. I mean, I know last week we had a completely separate story. I mean, it really had nothing to do with the main timeline. It was more a flashback. But the week before that, like everyone just returned home. It's like, oh, Hippolyte is still gone. And nobody gave it second thought so uh, there's a couple issues i i do want to get into um in this episode i don't know how we how you want to talk about like we did not discuss this beforehand so i don't know how you feel about this episode at all i don't know what notes you took i don't know what you thought but uh there are a couple points and maybe if we're going chronologically i'll bring it up then but this episode really proves that this series does not have a consistent grasp on time or distance just in the fact you see people covering large distances in seemingly short amounts of time it makes me think back to um one of the previous episodes when they go all the way back to massachusetts to a museum and seemingly walk underground back to chicago in a matter of an hour so I don't know if it's something like that, but now I, I'm seriously starting to believe that, yeah, they really did walk back to Chicago because I don't think this this series really understands the distances and time involved in traveling. And I'll get to that later again if we're doing chronologically. If you don't want to do chronologically, Mr. Terry, please tell me and I'll go off on it right now. But um, how should we approach this beast after... One week uh, of pure joy and being ecstatic over Lovecraft Country coming back, and we get this brand new episode. Uh, how should we take this? 
I think we approach it like one of the investigators from our Arkham Horror game. Like, you know, you've got that Tommy gun, you're just going to spray bullets. So, like, I think pretty much like a stream of consciousness approach, whatever we think of, let's go with that. Like, there um, we go. Which I, I feel fits in with the episode. Like, I know maybe if I can hit on one thing was um, Hippolyta's whole sort of cosmic trip towards the end was also like yeah. scattershotted. Um, so I, I think that's a good way for us to approach the show this week as well, right? Yeah, I think so. We should just teleport from idea to idea, regardless of whether it makes sense or not. Okay, well, let me hit the first one. Is Letty pregnant? Yeah. That was one of my notes here. I think so. I think she definitely it is. I mean, they, they've hinted at it before. And now with the fact even in her dream, her flat, she has the same dream that Tick has. Uh, what, what was his ancestor's name? Was that Hannah? Oh, I actually was can't it? even recall off the top of my head, to be honest. Jeez, yeah, I apologize. I don't remember. Uh, I tried to write it down, but but I missed it when they said it. But I think her name was Hannah. Apologies if it's not. But she has the exact same dream that Tick had when he was with the cult. And, well, it wasn't a dream for him. It was a vision. But in that, she's running and she holds her belly. Just like um, Hannah did, if Hannah is her real name. Then you have the whole morning sickness thing. But what, what I don't remember, and I wanted to ask you... In episode two, when Tick had this vision, did he burn up in the fire too? Or was he not touched by the fire? I remember, wasn't it only a week or two ago we saw his version of the dream and he also burnt up, if I recall. Like, I, I still don't remember. I, I can't recall. Because I remember he was chasing through um, behind, as you say, Hannah, and she stopped at the door and turned around and said something to him and then he burnt mm. up and i'm trying like for the life of me i have no idea what she said because you could just see her mouth moving um yeah and with my old man's eyes and not even wearing my glasses i couldn't really exactly yeah. make out what she was saying but i think it was pretty much yeah. the same thing and he also was consumed by the flames okay uh, i'm wondering if that trying to suggest something that like if um she is pregnant with with tick's child how now she has that bloodline of, of adam inside her and that's a line that's going to be sacrificed or burned but i mean this show really does put in a lot of i don't know foreshadowing is the right word because it looks like foreshadowing and then when it comes to it it doesn't actually happen so it's almost like pointless foreshadowing but it suggests that things that ultimately have no meaning when they finally come around so i don't know if this is supposed to represent anything or if it's simply like this will look cool on screen which i'm starting to feel like a lot of the decisions are for this show like um thinking of the the of childbirth like if Letty is pregnant, then I'm like, the, the the person in me who wants to see these little threads connecting in the show would, would think back to the first two episodes where we saw Christina, like, you know, helping this cow give birth to this, some sort of Lovecraftian monstrosity. And I'm like thinking, oh, what happens if somehow this is, you know, Letty gives birth to some spawn from another dimension. But I think that's me being way more hopeful of them going very schlock horror pulp style in that way i think it's just going to be a case of like this um 
secret group is going to maybe go after their child, seeing it's like, you know, an extension of their family and will have the power that a tick has got through his bloodline or whatever. But um, again, I think this is me doing far more writing on their behalf than they're actually willing to put <laughs> yeah, in the show, yeah. I think. So I think this is just going to peter out and maybe she's pregnant. And this means Tick sort of realizes like how he has to protect her. I don't know, but uh, that's probably the best we can hope for in that regard. It, it might be in fact Tick will die just like um, Gia foreseeing that he's going to die. But then the series ends with like, well, at least there's still baby Tick to carry on the line. And dun, dun, dun. So it's like his bloodline continues on to for someone to exploit later. But I, I hope not. But sadly, that's that's the point I'm at right now with the series. Like, honestly, like just I'm going to just jump out and say it like, uh. Like hold me back if if you want to, but this episode. Well, let me first say this: when this episode started, I was really excited. I loved the beginning of this episode. I really, really did. Like you see, you see Hippolyta. You see her finding the ruins of the Braithwaite Manor. You see her digging around, and the ultra helpful clue just blowing out in the wind, basically just unearthing itself for her, so she doesn't have to apply any sort of investigate investigation to the situation where oh look here's the comic book yeah he was here so that was still an exciting beginning like okay she's on the path then you see her breaking the code for the orrery and unlocking its secrets then at the same time you get that interpose with tick and letty uh discovering like okay hannah again apologize if that is not the character's name hannah had the actual book of names and uh, very, very ironic. It's called Book of Names. And I can't recall the name of the person <laughs> who's holding it. But, but she had the actual Book of Names. So Christina's looking for pages. Hannah had the whole entire book. So, uh-oh, it's a race to, to get to this book of pure magic power. And it, it was really exciting. It felt like, like the beginning of the final chapter of, again, a Pulp Cthulhu adventure. It's like, oh, things are coming together. It's getting really exciting again. And then it just collapsed in on itself spectacularly, in my opinion. I, I By the end of the episode, I was so bored. Like, I, all that excitement from the beginning and then by the end, really, with uh, Hippolyta's adventures through space and dimension which is so weird but uh, okay i'm going to get on to my whole time thing that i was ranting about just a few minutes ago okay hippolyte goes on her trip to mayfield i'm not exactly sure where mayfield is but i imagine it has to be tied in with the locations we've seen before because don't they mention that same sheriff who is wrapped up in all this when those suspicious policemen show up at the at the observatory where Hippolyte go to? Don't they mention that that sheriff or whatever whatever that officer's name is when they come to investigate? Because clearly they they're in on the cult too, mm. and I I believe that was the sheriff's name as they came walking down the stairs and she's hiding from them. So this is either in what Chicago or back in Massachusetts, right? I you think, think. Maybe, I because I, I, I remember like when she was driving, like she ended up. Why do I recall Kansas at some point? Like, it, it, 
shot up Kansas and then she was in Mayfield. Yeah, I don't know where Mayfield is. I don't know. But then I'm thinking, like, how how is this cop everywhere if it's not if it's not in Chicago still? Because Chicago is where mm-hmm. that cop was. Or if it was that bad cop in the first two episodes. Again, terrible with names. I need my own book of names. Then that would be back in Massachusetts. So they they're clearly tied in with the cult and everything. So... How big do they think a single police department was back in 1955? I, I, I don't get it. But anyhow, anyhow, so she goes to Mayfield. She gets to this thing here. Tick and Letty wind her car because they want to go uh, where? They, they want to go to New Orleans, right? I think so, yeah. To see that, uh, was it a cousin or at least that long-lost family yeah, member yeah. that was related to his uh, mother's side? Yes, and so, okay, I just did a quick search. Mayfield is in Kansas, okay? To Mayfield, Kansas, okay? Okay, Here we go again. Now, now, yeah, you were right, you were right. Yeah, so it's in Kansas. No, (laughs) okay. They don't have a car, so they're like, well, if we run, we might be able to catch a bus there. So Tick goes alone by bus, okay? And then... While he's there in Kansas, or not in Kansas, in New Orleans, he finds out over the phone that, uh-oh, Hippolyta broke a secret code and she's finding out this thing. So somehow this man, without a car, in the middle of the night, managed to get from wherever he is in New Orleans to Mayfield, Kansas, which is in the country too. It's not like there's a bus stop anywhere there. You see there's nothing around there. Just in time to save her. When he just learned where she was going, and it took her, what, the entire episode to find it there when she had the coordinates herself to get there. How? How did he teleport states away to get there? And what I thought for a second was, oh, maybe maybe this isn't a tick at that moment. Maybe this is tick coming through a portal there because the machine's activated, so he's coming through time, which is still possible, I suppose, even though it looks like it's more of a dimensional jumping machine and not a time jumping machine. But he was wearing the same clothes he had on that night. So I thought, okay, what the hell's going on? Like, just this whole deus ex machina of people coming in and saving the day right at the most dramatic moment when it makes no sense at all. It's it's Star Wars. It's Star Wars. It's J.J. Abrams where they're on one planet and they see an entire solar system get blasted apart that's light years away and they see it live streaming right from the sky. <laughs> There's zero logic to the time and distance involved. And like why okay so i'm done with my rant about about that time okay let's let, let me see if i can sort of be a slight bit more positive about it probably not like Good. um please please the, the the whole thing with that sort of um interdimensional travel thing that hippolyta does towards the end the one thing i sort of enjoyed about it was i got like a very heavy vibe of like the french series of graphic novels or comics heavy metal 
at some mm-hmm. point. I don't know why. I just had, um, if you ever saw the, the animated movie of Heavy Metal from back in the day as well, it had this like very similar feeling to that. Um, and I think like the whole journey of Hippolyta where she rediscovers, not rediscovers who she is, but she sort of becomes more not confident. And she's like, oh, I am Hippolyta. And because um, I, I, I felt that tied in nicely a bit earlier in the show with our best friend um, and show favorite Montrose, um, who has been probably the most sour looking guy throughout this entire series until today, where you actually see him smiling and he's feeling great. And then he has this mood change, right? So I, I felt like the show deals a lot with people coming to terms with who or what they are. In Montrose's case, it's his homosexuality that I don't think he's ever been comfortable with. And he starts being comfortable until you can sort of see, nah, he's not in a good space. And he sort of goes off at the, his partner. And then that's when uh, Tick and Letty just like walk in on them and find out like, whoa, my father's uh, gay. And then I think this is actually a nice point you brought up, right? So I'll leave it to you. But this is um, something I think that ties in with Ruby's earlier episode where she had that potion from William to be able to change into a white woman. And she used that power over others then of this, the color of her skin. And I think you mentioned, right, that it's something very similar to how uh, Tick reacts after finding out about Montrose. Yeah, it, it's just like you mentioned. It's the same thing we brought up a couple episodes back when Ruby changes into the white woman through the metamorphosis, where now you have Tick seeing his father, seeing that his father's gay, and he uses like an extremely derogatory term towards his father, uh, just in anger, in disgust, very discriminatory. And that's reflecting the Ruby situation where you have this cast, you have the, these leads uh, who are all African-American and they are being held down at the bottom of the social ladder. They're discriminated against, they're treated horribly, they're, they get no respect because they're different. That's all it is in the eyes of the white people who are in power. In these sound, they are different, and that's the only reason they're being treated like garbage. And now you see that even with these characters, now this time Tick, he sees his father. His father's different, and to him, that's disgusting. And he uses that word against his father as, again, a way of holding him down, a way of attacking him, a way of discriminating against him for being different. So it's showing almost and i i believe it has to be intentional that it's just this cycle it's no matter who you are even though you're down at the bottom and you see nobody's giving you a break like ruby nobody's going to help you nobody respects you for who you are you're always going to look for that opportunity to feel like you're superior to someone else Mm -hmm. and you're going to apply it when it can, just to make you feel like you have a little bit of power, to make you feel like you have a little bit in control. Whether or not you're thinking about it consciously or not, it's this human nature that even in this point in time, in this society, where the African Americans have nothing but each other to get through it, and all it would take is just for some understanding from another group, to try to bring them up, to try to help them, to give them the opportunity, 
Then when Tick sees his own father, which granted, they don't have the best relationship, he sees his father is different in a way that's also offensive back in these times. And he uses that against him. So it's really powerful. And I believe they use that word specifically and intentionally just to highlight this whole, I don't know if you want to call it hypocrisy, but just to really demonstrate that no matter who you are, no matter how bad it is, you're still human and humans have this desire to be better than someone else. And they're always looking for a group to show that they are superior to them and use their own identity as a weapon against them. That's that's kind of why I pulled out in. Yeah, and I mentioned it right before we hit record on this. So, yeah, that was a good uh, segue into this. Thank you. Okay, so let me hop off then again on Atticus, uh, see we're dealing with him right now. One of the notes I sort of had was that during the course of this series, we've actually seen, they sort of like take an episode or two to focus on a character maybe, and you sort of see how they develop in a way, or whether it's through how they mature or come to terms with themselves. I feel like that's true for everyone except Atticus, at least in my view. Like I feel like Atticus has had no journey of sorts. He's just... He seems this ball of anger and frustration, even though we should be feeling some sort of empathy for him as like, um, I, I think we can view him as the main character of the, the series, right? Even though it seems more of an ensemble, I believe ensemble so, piece. Yeah. But I just feel yeah. personally like he's the one character that's had no development in who he is, how he feels, how he relates to those around him. Like he's still angry at his father, except now maybe it's just for a different reason. Um while he cares for Letty, he still has a tendency to be very aggressive. Um, he's very, like, single-minded in his, like, desire to figure out the secret of this group of Adam or whatever. But, you know, meantime, we've seen Montrose sort of start coming to terms with his homosexuality. We've seen um, Letty and his sister both sort of semi coming to terms with like their place in the world and that they do have power even though they might not be from uh, a group of people who had power at that time um, we've had Hippolytina in this episode who's sort of come to respect herself more in any way and yet Atticus is still just there still doing the same thing still um, just being the sort of little pulpy main character we've seen in the first episode which is rather disappointing I believe so, yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. He's the one person who really hasn't changed. And if anything, he's become less interesting as the episodes go on. I think simply because he won't change. He's just always repeating the same emotions again and again and again. But if, if I can bring up something else, because I know we don't want to take this uh, too, too much over time. I... I've been complaining a lot through this episode. I will say one thing I really loved about this episode, I loved it a lot, was getting to see Uncle George back on there screen again. Like, oh my God, like uh, Uncle George, and especially the fantasy worlds that they get to live through uh, together with Hippolyta as uh, their daughter's character. What, what was it? Orinthia Blue? Is that? Is that oh, yes, yes. Something like that, character? right? Basically, this spaceman 
science fiction uh, kind of pulpy comic book character and it was just so good to see uncle joe i i would i thought he was such a strong lead in the first two episodes that the series really did start going downhill after his death mm-hmm. and basically he was only there to die too so that's just a testament to how strong um he's performed i mean like kudos to him because once he came back on screen I'm like ah oh, i missed your uncle george <laughs> The, the funny thing is, like, one of my very notes is, I miss Uncle George. Such a fun character. Yeah, like, yeah. the actor is really good for him. I mean, it, it, the first two or so episodes, like, he was really, like, a character that I really enjoyed watching. And I, I feel like as soon as he left, like you said, the show has become, like, a sort of mishmash of, like, either an episode that really gets our hopes up or an episode that manages to take those high hopes and dash them on the ground. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, like, that last sort of segment, like, for me, that was also, like, a mix of good and bad. Like, while I like the heavy mm. metal, you know, uh, 80s yeah. sci-fi style of vibe, some of it, like, that whole section where she becomes an African warrior fighting yeah. against, like, um, Civil War soldiers, I was, like, sitting there going, like, ah, okay. Um, some of the special effects, I think, were also, like, a bit hit and miss for me. Um, mm-hmm. especially with the sci-fi thing with these like little dumpy aliens that look like Oompa <laughs> yeah. Loompas walking towards them and I was just like oh okay whatever um, well that that particular scene I, I was able to forgive because mm-hmm. I figured you know that's probably the daughter's comic book so it's probably supposed to look cartoony but yeah I do agree with you in, in that whole sequence when it started and she's on this alien world, and then, like, uh, this, the day the Earth stood still robot comes out of a portal to confront her. I'm like, what? where is this going? And then 20 minutes later, I was like, where is this going? I, I mean, the, it was a compelling start, but for me, it just dragged on. Mm. It dragged, I know what the goal was. I know what the goal was to bring Hippolyta out and to make her strong in accepting who she is. It could have done that through one sequence. We got four. We got her on the alien world or whatever that place is supposed to be with the heavy heavy metal <laughs> alien robot. We got her in Paris dancing with uh, Josephine Baker. We got her in the strange Zulu warrior versus Civil War soldier. And then we got her in Orinthia Blue. Mm. Um, but thank God for Uncle George being back. <laughs> and and I, even with the a number five little interlude of her being just with Uncle George in many other situations. So I know what they were going for, but damn, that didn't need to take as much time as it did and drag on for as long as it did. And just to get to the same end point where she grows as a person, one sequence alone could have done that, two at most. But so, yeah, it, it, it took the wind out of my sails. So we've got three episodes left, right? Um, Thank God for that, right? Do you have any hopes they can they can sort of pull a rabbit out of a hat here and make something good in the last three or not? 
I I don't even want to speculate. I mean, it it's just such a hodgepodge, and now they have so many plates spinning right now, and they have yet to tie up anything nicely, logically, and efficiently. So I don't really have a lot of expectations for all of the stuff they set into motion to be wrapped up nicely. I think it's probably going to end on a cliffhanger because they still don't even know how they want to resolve it themselves. So they figure, I'm guessing they're going to be like, okay, we'll just bring it to a point where it's like, oh, shocking. And then let's spend the next eight months trying to figure out how the hell we're going to get out of this. That, yeah. that seems to be like a typical JJ TV s- series kind of uh, solution. Like if we look again, like last week's episode or the week before, we he, he de- decrypts that word that says die. And then he's like, mm. he phones that woman back in um, Korea and asks her, how did you know? And we're all like sort of expecting you waiting like, okay, so what does this actually mean now? Like, how is this playing into the story? And she still tells him, don't go back or you will be killed. And we're like, okay, he's been back for ages now. Nothing out of the ordinary has happened for him other than these otherworldly monsters, etc., etc., and magic portals. But he's still very much alive. So it, it feels to me like yeah. the pacing is way off. Like, again, with this Hippolyta yeah. section where, like, it feels like a hundred weeks ago, we saw her decide to drive back to the Braithwaite um, mansion and find this thing. But then they just drop it and it sort of like falls away for another three or four weeks. And it seems like the same thing is happening again with Atticus's sort of quest for um, this uh, Book of Adam. So I think if they could improve that, if they could at least somehow get this a bit more coherent, like their pacing yeah. is really badly done, yeah. But before we before we end, like I agree with you mm. on all that. I just want there's one more point in this episode. I want to ask, what did you think of it at the very end? Talking about cliffhangers and, and that try and get you watch at the very end where we see uh, Atticus come back with a copy of the book Lovecraft Country, but this time the book is written by George Freeman. So what do you think that's going to be about? Uh, I mean, I'm clearly. Man, for me, like, I, I've been so hopeful of all these other little things they've been throwing in the show that, like, <laughs> yeah. part of me really doesn't care. I'm just like, okay, if some good comes from this, <laughs> some good comes. Like, otherwise, I'm just going to, I'm not going to hold out for anything. Yeah. As my mother would say when I asked her if I could do anything that I thought was important to me, her response would be, I don't care <laughs> but that was her loving way of saying just go on and do what you want to do so yeah uh, i when you said that that that's the vibe i got there where it's like okay it obviously feels important to them but really it doesn't phase us right now does it no oh, very much so very much so uh, so well uh overall you think this is falls into the another the pile again of like rather mediocre best episodes then uh, like I say, it started, I love the, I don't know if it was just for my personal likes and dislikes, but I love the momentum at the beginning, mm. especially coming off of the best episode so far. I thought this is ramping up to something good. I like where this is going. And then it just was wheel spinning. It was distraction after distraction. And that momentum was squandered. Yeah, mm. I'm, 
I'm thoroughly let down by it again, although I'm not quite in the doldrums that I was in by the time we got around to episode 6, so hopefully I won't get down to that point again before it picks up with another exciting thing. I just hope they bring Gia back again oh, and man. spice this show up a little bit more, and we need that. Or bring back Uncle George. Oh, I, I wouldn't mind a spin-off series to just Uncle George. Like, he's adventures yeah. through time and space. Like, uh, the, the, I'd pay good money for that. I, I wouldn't mind that show at all. I, he should have been the lead. He was like the Obi-Wan character in the beginning. He's the one with all the knowledge and that that's, that's bringing this young group in. But... Instead of Luke actually growing as a Jedi after Obi-Wan dies, Tick just went right back to the farm and kept drinking his blue milk for five episodes. And that was the Star Wars we got from this. We, we need Uncle George. Oh, there we go. That's maybe a, a good like uh, petition we can do on like change.org or whatever. Um, bring back <laughs> yeah. Uncle George. Um, I think I, I, that's probably all I've got to say about the episode. I don't think I've actually got anything more to add or that, um, right? No, I think we're good. I think, yep, yeah, we're done. So um, why don't you let everyone know where they can find us if they want to chat and share their own thoughts um i think as usual like if you're watching this on youtube there's obviously the ever wonderful youtube comment section so uh you can check show notes links whatever leave a comment like subscribe and the usual thing um if people listen to this via their oral receptive organs or ears they can um check in the show notes there's always the little anchor fm voice message thing so they can always drop some there we've also got twitter right and instagram um I think I think I actually need to get up some link show links for that and get that because I don't think we've linked them yet as such, but um, maybe I'll put them in this time. Um, I'm trying to think as well. There was something else I wanted to do. Yes, I know tomorrow's Friday um, as we record the show, and it's Bandcamp Friday again. So oh, hopefully, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm hoping that you can actually after the show's done give me some recommendations for uh, some music from a friend of the show, Reba Clark. Um, yeah, Reaper Clark. Yeah, he does a lot of music for the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society's Dark Adventure Radio Theater. I know that's a long title to throw out there, but uh, we're going to be talking about that in the future episode and probably multiple future episodes. Probably the best, hands down, not even probably, hands down the best Lovecraft, real, not Lovecraft Country, but real Lovecraft adaptations from the novels themselves or from the books themselves they're not all novels uh this is no movie can come close to the quality and style that they put into these dark adventure radio theaters and reaper clark does quite a number of the soundtracks for him which are so moody and so appropriate for for the episode so yeah go there check out his stuff bandcamp friday um the rest of this year first friday of every month bandcamp friday reber clark also troy sterling niece he's another one who does the music um for dark adventure radio theater uh he has albums up there too you can find a lot of great stuff there and all the proceeds go directly to the musicians um thanks to bandcamp holding this special event this year Nice. So um, check this stuff out if you get a chance. Um, we'll be back same time, same place next week. Uh, but as always, like Bull, thank you very much. I'm glad we could uh, once again discuss in intricate detail our scattered, scatter, scatterbrained <laughs> thoughts on this week's episode. So I'm definitely looking forward to the next one. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was fun. And I guess, uh, yeah, see you next week. Yeah, thanks for joining us.